It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. A two-day search for a missing cake man who had gone hunting last weekend on Kupernoff Island has ended tragically. Authorities say the body of 55-year-old David Dalton was found Monday morning less than three miles from his truck. Sitka Search and Rescue Lieutenant Mike Motti says Dalton's partner reported him missing after he failed to return home the day after he'd set out. It was reported that he was hunting for rabbits or other small game, and uh, he was uh, commonly out for a couple of days at a time. He had originally told his uh, partner that he was going to be back that evening after she got off work, uh, but she was not too concerned that he didn't show up. But on on Saturday, when he still hadn't come back by dark, is when she became concerned. A two-day search effort that included search and rescue volunteers and Alaska State Troopers combed the area around Sitkam Creek. That included Mahdi and three other members of Sitka Mountain Rescue, who flew to Cake on Sunday to assist. They set up a grid search in the forested area where his vehicle was found. Alaska State Troopers reported that foul play is not suspected, as Dalton appeared to have died of exposure. His body is being transported to the state medical examiner's office in Anchorage for an autopsy. Sitka reported six new coronavirus cases over the long holiday weekend. According to the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services, nine new COVID cases have been reported in the last week, bringing Sitka one case away from the local COVID alert level being downgraded from high to substantial. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported 1,163 coronavirus cases, 23 hospitalizations, and five deaths. Nearly 70% of Sitkins are fully vaccinated. State public health reports that 73% of the total population have received one or more doses of a COVID-19 vaccine. Health providers report that a steady rollout of third dose and booster shots of the coronavirus vaccine have been administered in Sitka. Fire Chief Craig Warren told the Sitka Unified Command last week that the third dose is causing some confusion over vaccination rates because the state's COVID-19 information system was designed to track two doses, not three or more. Uh, The people that are getting the third dose or the booster, if you will, uh, is messing up the numbers in the dashboard because it wasn't built with that in mind. They, when they realize the errors are there, they're trying to correct them, but in the meantime, we may still see some uh, glitches until the state gets their system ironed all the way out. Search Representative Shoshana Schmidt gave an update on how many third-dose shots the consortium has administered in recent weeks. Um, Search has provided around 900 third-dose or booster vaccines, um, which is pretty exciting since they were approved in late September. Um, We have also just completed um, just over 1,200 flu shots. Um, We're offering combined clinics for both the boosters and the flu vaccines two days a week. Sitka pharmacist Trish White said Harry Race Pharmacy has administered around 300 third doses and around 50 boosters of the vaccine during its weekly clinics. There is an important distinction between a third dose and a booster dose of the vaccine. Boosters are currently recommended for people who received their initial Pfizer vaccine doses at least six months ago and are 65 or older, have underlying medical conditions, or live and work in high-risk settings. The FDA has yet to approve boosters for those who received other types of vaccines, such as Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. 
It has, however, approved a third dose for immunocompromised people who received either Pfizer or Moderna. The third dose can be given as soon as a month after the first two shots of the mRNA vaccines have administered. Search is hosting vaccine clinics twice a week for initial vaccinations and booster shots. White's Pharmacy will host its next vaccine clinic on Friday. For a link to schedule an appointment, visit our website, kcaw.org. The fourth special session is half over, and while some House committees have met, none have in the Senate. Senators are split over Governor Mike Dunleavy's plans to change the dividend and over how to pay for it. Alaska Public Media's and KTOO's Andrew Kitchenman reports. Palmer Republican Senator Shelley Hughes is frustrated the Senate isn't meeting. She wants to start passing major bills now because she says it will be tough to do next year. If we can get one or two moving perhaps in January, the momentum would be there to continue, but I think it's going to be incredibly difficult um, in an election year. Hughes says the amount of taxes needed to pay for the budget isn't clear. For example, in December, the state will update its forecast for how much oil revenue it expects in the future. To do our proper job, we have to look at the revenue forecast and we have to look at the growth of the permanent fund and how much larger that draw would be. Hughes supports drawing an additional $1 billion this year and next year to balance the budget. It's balanced now, but at a much lower dividend level than that proposed by Dunleavy and supported by Hughes. Not all senators agree with Hughes' approach. There are two other groups of lawmakers in the legislature with their own ideas about how to balance the budget and fix the PFD. Another group of Republicans is also skeptical of substantial amounts of new taxes. But they point to current revenue forecasts that say the budget wouldn't balance with higher dividends and no major new taxes. SICA Republican Senator Burt Stedman is in this group. He wants to protect $30 billion in permanent fund earnings that aren't currently protected in the Constitution. But he isn't eager to put the PFD in the Constitution, at least for now. In my opinion, we should rewrite the formula and run it for a couple of years, see how it works. And if it looks like it's a stable um, concept um, that'll last for you know, several, several decades, like the last formula, then we can talk about doing something like that at that time. But it's far too early to do that. Stedman says the finance committee that he co-chairs will consider bills that would set the dividend formula at different levels. But he says that can happen during the next regular session in January. The third group of legislators, mostly Democrats, is more open to introducing new taxes as part of a package that would pay for larger dividends. Anchorage Democrat Tom Begich has reintroduced tax proposals that were considered by the legislature in the past, like increasing oil taxes. He acknowledges that larger taxes aren't popular, but says they're needed to reach an agreement. That is what I'm kind of looking for from from my colleagues, the willingness for them to see the bigger picture. The taxes that Begich proposed would be enough to allow for the state to pay for dividends at an amount that's higher than in recent years, but lower than what Dunleavy has proposed. To pay for Dunleavy's proposed amount, Begich says a statewide tax like a sales tax would be needed. But he says the tax could be repealed if oil and permanent fund revenue grew enough. However, he says counting on higher oil prices would be irresponsible. He says a working group of legislators laid out how much money the state would need 
as well as other assumptions like how much revenue the state would bring in. And he says it would be hard to reach a compromise if lawmakers stray from those assumptions. It doesn't matter what the price of oil is today because you have to base it on an agreed-upon consensus on those assumptions. Senate President Peter Michicki is trying to sort out how to get the three groups to agree on a set of major policy changes, or at least the 11 senators needed to pass bills. He says from this point forward, each body should pass its own version of major changes and then work out compromises. It's tough enough with 20 senators. It's nearly impossible with 60 legislators. So if you have the two statements or the two positions of a bill that passes, I think that's something much easier to work. The Senate has only had enough members to hold a regular floor session once in the fourth special session. That happened on its first day. That would be needed again to pass Michiki's proposal for a formal new committee that has the power to pass bills. But a group of senators also could meet to work on a compromise that it would recommend to the others. In Juneau, I'm Andrew Kitchenman. Efforts to conserve Upper Lynn Canal's brown bears have caused state wildlife managers to close the hunting season more than two months early. That's after 49 brown bears were reported killed last year in a management unit that spans the upper crook of southeast Panhandle. Around half of the dead brown bears were killed by agency officials or residents in defense of life and property. Alaska Department of Fish and Game wildlife biologist Carl Koch says the brown bear population needs a chance to recover in Unit 1D, which includes areas around Haines, Skagway, and Cloquan to the Canadian border. We estimated that the population was reduced by 16 to 20 percent, which is unsustainable, and so this is an effort to preserve future hunting opportunity and recover a little bit of that, you know, pretty significant loss in 2020. To address this, wildlife managers slashed the harvest cap in February by more than two-thirds. That limit was reached on Monday, with hunters this year reporting five brown bears taken. That's on top of a brown bear killed lawfully in May in defense of life and property. An emergency order issued Tuesday will end the brown bear hunt at midnight Wednesday. Koch says stronger salmon runs and more berries have meant fewer hungry Bruins wandering into towns this year. He says area residents are being more mindful with their household garbage. Things went about as well as they could have. Uh, you know, like we said, only one defensive life and property so far this year, which is fantastic. And um, this is the time of year when uh, the fish runs start to slow down in some places and uh, the berries aren't around and uh, the bears are not in their dens yet, so it's not time to let your guard down. Everyone should still be very vigilant about securing trash and, and other attractants. The conservative harvest guidelines are expected to remain in place for five years. Fish and Game is also asking hunters to target male bears to help the population recover quicker. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning